fun more fun um stuff i promise but <laughs> i just thought it was interesting and important to talk about i think that's history it's it. just this yeah. is history of our community the leather community really got wiped out yeah by the aids because you know uh we were much more out there uh, you know sexually mm -hmm. i think than the average you know gay person but um it is ne it's always ne it's always good to make sure that it's never forgotten. Yeah. Sort of like the Holocaust. You never forget and you never let the younger people not understand how devastating that was to us. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the lesbians at the time, they stepped up. You 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 weren't around there, which is why I always am very, very um friendly with with lesbians because they stood up for us more than we've ever stood up for them. Hmm. In what in what ways would you say? Uh, fundraisers, act up, you name it. They were out there, mm -hmm. you know, with their voices because, you know, their gay brothers uh, were dying from it and nobody was doing anything. And that upset them, you know. Yeah. And for that, I'm internally grateful for them for that because they were part of the source of uh, forcing the uh, government and the pharmaceutical companies to take this seriously. Yeah. Now on to fun things, right? Now on to fun things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I de definitely think that that's important. It, um, I mean, part of part of the reason why I started this podcast was to hear stories like that. And um, I remember there's one man at the Bullet, the Bullet Bar, who will remain nameless. But we had a conversation, and he was one of the the few that said he survived for years and years without knowing that he had HIV. And it was very early on, and he was telling me, you know, the stories of his his lovers and everything and his past relationships and sort of a similar, you know, recollections to what you're sharing today. And I thought, if no one's recording this, like all of these stories are lost. Yes. You know, you know, I mean, they there is an AIDS museum now, which, you know, I found interesting, just like the Holocaust Museum in New York when I went through there. I mean, you can't not get emotional walking yeah. through there, especially the scene of all of the shoes of the victims in a pile. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, it's hard, you know, and this is not much better. We lost thousands and thousands and thousands of people for no reason. Yeah. So, so if we don't speak our voices now, there could be another virus that comes through it. They seem to be multiplying uh, much more rapidly uh, these days with people traveling a lot more. So I think it's important that people learn to stand up and have their voices counted. Absolutely. When you move forward with, you know, your life, I guess you could say, like, did that empower you more when you were, how do I put this? Did you feel more empowered when you were fucking at that point, having like lived through that? You know, I, uh, I had a partner 
that I really, really liked a lot. Um, and he was in the Middle East, and I met him online and when I was single, and eventually uh, went over to see him. And I was 30 years older than him. Uh, and I was concerned about the fact that I didn't want to ruin another young person's life like this. So I let him know that I was positive. I figured that would just blow him off. But to my surprise, he told me that he was also positive. Really? Wow. Yeah. And so we had a, a two and a half year affair uh, living in Sharjah in the Middle East. And I would fly over to see him all the time, uh, like at least every month. But little boys grow up and little boys want to explore. And I was pretty much one of his first, you know. Yeah. But he, he made an impact in me. Uh, but he also taught me that a lot of times uh, these younger, older relationships, they have a, they have an expiration course, hmm. you know. And so for me, after two or three of, you know, of them trying to show that I was still young and could get a young boy, I met Todd who is only three years younger than me. And we have a lot more in common. And it, I think that made it easier for our relationship to get so much more deep with each other. Yeah. Uh, so that's my my take on uh, older, younger relationships. It works for some, but not for all. Let's talk about sex. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I see here, for those of you who don't know, I have like a little little questionnaire that I give out to guests to kind of fill out and, and think about some of the topics that we're talking about today. But John, would you share with us some of your fetishes, some of your kinks? Where do you flag? What are your colors? Well, I flag dark blue, gray, red, primarily on the right. I mean, on the left. Uh, I prefer paddling somebody with my hands. I want to feel what they're feeling. And it's kind of hard to do that with a paddle, you know, leather paddle or whatever. Not that I haven't used them, but I like the sting on my hand as it hits their body at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I like bondage because I like, I have, am a controlled freak and <laughs> okay. uh, I like being in control. And as far as fisting goes, most people can't take my hands because I mean, I have, see. I have, those are pretty big hands. Yeah. I will say. Yeah, I wear a size 13 and a half ring finger. So, I mean, I have, you know, I'm big boned everywhere. Uh-huh. Literally. Have you had anybody take your whole hand before? Yeah, I've actually had somebody take both. Whoa. Wait, go like this. I can't. I'm holding the phone up. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I... I I would like to say that he was high as a kite when, you know, that took place. Okay. But he never so did. probably some inhibition. He there. never did drugs. Uh-huh. He was just a, a pig whore bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so of all of these fetish, which one did you discover first that you were into? And did you freak out? Were you like, oh my God, am I, I hope I'm not getting into anything crazy. Like. No, because I, I was experiencing watching, you know, this go on at leather events as I was moving into 
you know, doing the okay. different events. I mean, they would have exhibitions and you would, you would learn. I mean, okay. So I, you, you discover it through an educational experience yes, or your environment. Watch okay. it, watching others, you know, and tuning it for me. Got it. And what was the first fetish that you kind of delved into? Bondage, bondage. Bondage. As a top or a bottom? As a top. I've always As preferred a... being a top. Okay. Awesome. Not that I haven't and... tried being a bottom. Uh, I have tried it. Uh, uh -huh. Not for me, but uh, it gave me an insight of how to be a better top. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I always say like the best tops are the ones who have bottomed before because you kind of have some insight into what the bottom is experiencing correct and i can always tell because I, I i'm definitely versatile but i would say i swing more bottom more often i always say like on a full moon i become a top which is not that often <laughs> well i mean i i i learned that there is a second sphincter uh -huh. you know and being 10 inches long i you know i usually could feel my head of my dick pushing past the second sphincter and watching their eyes pop out of their heads. And that was probably one of the biggest thrills is to make somebody come without touching themselves while they were tied up. Oh my God. I love that so much. You are making all of our <laughs> butt puckers right now. <laughs> Everyone who's listening. <laughs> I fucking love that. No, no. I love that. that um, you know, it's funny because I can tell when a top is like a solo top and like they've never done any kind of research or looking into what the bottom's experiencing because they will ask or demand of things as if like they have no idea what that's going to do. And then I have to like, I don't even know how to describe that, but then I have to be like, yeah, no, uh, that's no, that's you have to get me there. You don't just tell me to do that. We're going to do this. <laughs> but someone who can really understand the dynamics and I guess, uh, you know, a top top can do it too. I just I witness it more often than in people who have experienced bottoming before that they know how to navigate your way to take you to a threshold and then push you past that threshold to where they think you can go versus like, okay, we're going to go here next. It's like, okay, you well, know, but that's, that's the sexiest part when you're, or you reach a point with someone that you never thought you could because you were led there. You were guided there. Right. And, you know, it progressed from there and, and learning about fisting. But unfortunately, I mean, I, just getting three fingers in somebody was uh, most people's limits, you know, with my hands as large as they are. Uh, but if and at IML or MAL, they always had, you know, fisting parties, you know, in rooms and they would let people know. And I would go there and I would learn my craft and practice, you know. Mm -hmm. And I never really got farther than a wrist in most people before they were screaming, get my hand out of them. Uh, but there was occasional one or two people uh, that were experts at it. And I could slide all the way in towards my, my elbow. And I remember the first time just feeling their heart beating. And I realized that yeah. I was that far up that I was actually feeling their insides talking to me yeah that so. sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a thrill but it, it was also terrifying at the same time you know especially the first time because you don't realize i mean you don't know if you're hurting them because a lot of times their moans were different than 
uh, fucking somebody, you know? Yeah. I mean, they were, they're practicing breathing. They're practicing everything all at the same time to relax as much as they could. Uh, And those are, those are things that you just can't learn overnight. It takes practice and it takes time. And unfortunately, fisting was never one of the best things that I was really good at because most people couldn't take it. So, um, you know, there was, there was a time that, you know, I would just open them up with my hand and then fuck the shit out of them. That's all. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you make it sound like it's soda. Oh yeah, normally. <laughs> well, you've seen it. you've seen my nude pictures, so you. you I have. You know. Well, you you actually have. Uh, I, and I'm sure I don't know if they're still being sold. I have to check, but you actually sent me two photos, in which used to be on greeting cards. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Um. The kind of greeting cards that you would get at at like a like a shop in Palm Springs, for example, maybe a, a birthday card where you open it and there's a, a little su- oh, a big surprise inside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I mean that that was uh, you know almost twenty years ago, but you know, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, I wonder if you can describe maybe a fantasy of yours that's either maybe happened or maybe that you would like to happen or one that maybe has happened, something that really has stuck with you over time, something you'll always remember. Well, I guess we're going back into the fisting world here for a second. Sure. Uh, I happened at uh, IML meet twins, identical twins, identical twin bottom fisters. And I got to experiencing being behind both of them while they made out. I was fisting them all at the same time. Like left hand in one, right hand in the other. Yes. Making out. That is so hot. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I never forgot that, you know. Wow. So, and they were, they were adorable i mean they were they were young too they were like oh i i mean i was in my 40s and they mm-hmm. were they were in their 20s and they were able to do what you know it just came so easy for them and and being yeah. twins was just that was so erotic for me that is so it's so crazy well it's like because it's like a taboo right <laughs> <laughs> the whole damn thing was just hot <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Have you ever had a a kink scene turn funny to where you where things just did, didn't flow right and it just ruined the whole scene? Well, I mean that I mean it's still going on the meth, you know, e- epidemic, you know. But mm. uh, you know, when you would invite somebody over from the internet and they would ask you if you had porn and it just seemed like we were fucking them. They weren't even interested in you. They were just looking at the porn. And you were just like the person behind them, you know, taking care of their hole while they looked at other people fucking. And I just, I would just pull out and start laughing. I said, you know, I got a butt fucking machine in the garage. Let me just plug you into that for a while. You can just have fun, you know. And I just went on and made something to eat, a sandwich or whatever, because. Because <laughs> you're not even there. I No, I was, you know, so. Uh, I didn't realize that that was a sy- a symptom of people who do math or something. And I have experienced that. And I, I always thought it was weird that they weren't paying attention to me while I was fucking them. But I guess that's what it is. Now I know. Yeah. They, you know, they're, they're just tweaked out of their minds, you know. 
Wow. So, and I can't say that I haven't tried almost every drug in the world. Uh, one of the worst things happened to me when I was young. And this guy took me into the bathroom and asked me if I wanted some Coke. You know, we were at one of the leather parties at, in Los Angeles at the time. And mm-hmm. I took one snort in the bathroom and I thought my head was going to explode. And I found out later on that he had given me heroin to snort. <gasps> oh, my God. And because it, you know, it just you become not connected. I mean, and yeah, then he could take you home and do what he wants with you, you know, and I was very lucky that my best friend uh, saw me coming out of the bathroom with him. And I just I could just look at him and I said, help. And he grabbed my arm and the guy uh, said, I'm taking him home. He goes, no, you're not. I'm wow. take, I'm taking him home. And I slept for three days. I was so drugged. That is so horrible. I guess it's a, a, about the same thing as, you know, a roofie now. You know? Yeah, it's a date rape drug is what, what he was trying to do with you. Right. And uh, I didn't shed a tear when I found out he died, you know, from AIDS. That was mm-hmm. one person I did not shed a tear for because uh, what he did to me was, was not. He targeted uh, you. Yeah. So, uh, but I've tried almost every drug in the world. And luckily for me, and I can't say this for everybody, but I don't have an addictive personality, mm-hmm. you know, where I don't encourage other people to do drugs, especially if there is a lineage in their family of uh, addicts, whether alcoholism yeah. or whatever. Uh, you have to be on your toes about what you do because you have a 50 to 50 chance of having that gene in you that's going to terrorize your life for the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I recognize in myself um, addictive traits, which is why I'm always, always like worried and scared to like do anything. I, I did. Uh, I smoked weed a few times and that was enough for me to be like, no, I'm not going to try anything else. Well, that's that's somebody who's wise. You know, you know what can happen to you and you are taking action yeah. before it becomes out of control. Yeah, because I can I can feel myself. I can feel myself, um, and especially with with uh, with alcohol and stuff like that. I, I reach a point and then I have to pull back because I already know. Until if I lose my self control, I already know that's where that's going to go. You know, um, but yeah, taking care of yourself, a hundred percent. Well, I like I like marijuana. Uh, everybody smokes pot here. I mean, it's just you know you go to which a, is weird because it's illegal there, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, we shouldn't say that. We're not, we're not talking about that on the internet. <laughs> uh, well, I have a license for, you know, to be able to go oh, you buy do? it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's the same thing as in California when at first they legalized it, if you had a, mer- uh, a medical, you know, thing for it. A medical card. Yeah. Right. So it, that's the way it is here, but okay. it, it, you can grow weed in Hawaii easy. I mean, it's not hard. You know, I can imagine with the climate. Right. So everybody's. I mean, is is I consider potheads over here. I mean, you go to a barbecue and and the pipes are just puffing all over the place, you know, constantly. And yeah. that's fine for me. I mean, because I smoke pot every night ever since breaking my back because it does help me sleep better. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I can imagine. But I don't smoke it during the daytime because I'd like too much to be in control. But that's me. Yeah. You know, I mean, most of my friends here. I mean, first thing they do in the morning is load up the pipe and, you know, have a good uh, 
awake and bake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't consider marijuana something dangerous, you know? Yeah. So. I think most people are of, of that, of that, um, thought as well these days. Um, well, before we go, I did want to ask you, um, besides your leather titles, do you have any other roles in the community or, or are you part of or were part of any organizations? Well, I'm I'm still learning the ropes here in Hawaii. And mm-hmm. because there is a limited gay activities for things like that here yet, I mean, not like Honolulu where they have, you know, bar scene or whatever. We have one bar and it's on the other side of the island in Kona. And that is it. So mostly here uh, is drag shows. Okay. And that's. And when you lived in Palm Springs, you said you mentioned something about being a part of. Were you part of the Satyrs? No, I used to. I used to go on the Satyrs motorcycle runs. You know, I enjoyed that aspect of it. But I was, I've been too busy most of my life uh, running a business, uh, which was seventy hours a week. When you, I had to make everything. I had to yeah. run the store. I mean, it was, you know, and do shows all over the place. So mm-hmm. I didn't really have time for organizations, but I was a part of it because I would go to the events and everybody knew me. And so that was, I was really happy about that. Absolutely. Well, I have a few uh, blast questions here okay. um, before we wrap up. Shoot. And here we go. We're going to shoot them at you. What would you say is your favorite part? about having been a part of the leather community for this long? Personally, uh, I like being able to feel like they would have your back a lot more than other groups in the gay community. I think Mm -hmm. because so many of them have suffered a lot because of their kink that they understand. And I, I enjoy that part that, you know, they still make me feel like I am, uh, relevant, relevant. Yeah. And and to be asked to be a judge at IML was that was like the cherry on the top of an ice cream sundae for me. You know, I I enjoyed that, and I made so many wonderful contestants from all over the world that I'm in touch with all the time still. Yeah. So I enjoy that. Yeah, because you have you have value beyond the aesthetic. They actually care about you as a, a person, your opinion, your perspective, yeah, your experience. So I enjoy that part uh, with yeah. the leather community. Next question. Shoot. Where do you see the future of leather going? Where would you like to see it <clears throat> as a whole? You know, um, I would like to be able to see it stay as open as it's becoming and maybe open a little bit more because just like all different races or religions or whatever. There's a large swap of people that, you know, you know, uh, are different than other leathermen. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're not leather, but they enjoy being dominated by somebody in leather. You know, there's, there's so many different aspects of the leather community that I like seeing new things. I don't put it down ever. You know, the first time I saw a puppy, you know, I was like, wow. Why does he do that? And so it becomes something that I want to learn about because curiosity and bridle bits, you know, where people are dragging, uh, you know, as horses and having tails out of their asses. And I mean, I find the whole thing fascinating. I even took my father with me to one of the, uh, uh, a convention in Los Angeles for uh, S&M. 
You took your dad to an S and M event? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I used to take him one <laughs> one time. A cute story, real quick, is I I had the booth next door to Jeff Stryker. I was selling my jewelry, and Jeff Stryker was there selling his dildos and and his dolls. And this little guy came running up to to the booth, screaming, "Oh, Jeff, Jeff! I'm so happy you're here. I wore out my last dildo, and I need a new one." And my dad just kind of just leaned over and looked at me and said, how do you wear out rubber? <laughs> so I was, I was very, very blessed uh, that my parents uh, were very open with almost anything. And believe me, I threw everything at them. You know, wow. I took them on gay cruises where, you know, my mother became the centerpiece of all the guys who had been thrown out of their houses. And oh wow, so I mean, I I really miss my parents, you know. They've been yeah. go- gone now six years, and I miss them every day. Wow. that You're very, very blessed to have such cool parents like that, especially coming from, from like, the Mexican background with the, like, sort of machismo expectation of you know the what, male child being the male. What was really interesting is that when I got married to my husband, um, we left two seats available for them my parents at uh for the ceremony but all of my parents friends came to my wedding hmm. and i stay in touch with my parents friends they a lot of them have passed on since i first got married uh or beforehand but uh n- very little judgment you know yeah. when they when somebody gets older i think they learn to stop being so judgmental yeah and, just in the care so yeah, absolutely. My grandparents, my grandparents are the way I think your your parents were. My parents are a whole other story. That's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole other episode. Um, <laughs> what would be your message or advice to share with people coming into leather for the first time today? Uh, take it slow. You know, you don't have to jump in with both feet. You know, take your time to see what you really like. You know, and don't ever let anybody abuse you. I mean, if you are going to experience bondage or or spankings or something like that, know a word, a safe word, and use it that it's too much for you. Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people screaming and hollering is, is what the tops want to hear. Uh, and a lot of times it's erotic, but a lot of times it's just painful for them. And so... Yeah. Don't be afraid to say no when you've had enough. Yeah, absolutely. Learning to learning that it's okay to say no is something something to learn as well. Yes, and and top should and if you are training to be a top, learn from your bottoms when it's enough is enough. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, John, is there anything else that uh, we should know about you that we haven't already discussed? Yes, I still make jewelry. You can always, uh, you can always, <laughs> go, you can always go on my website on on Facebook and uh, and see my latest uh, creations. You know, yeah. How can we find you on um, Facebook? And what is your website? Jewelry by Ponce, no separations, and then the letter J for John. So Jewelry by Ponce John on Facebook, and uh, you'll be able to find me there. Awesome, John. I I appreciate the time we had together. Me too. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 
As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Very good. And one one where you're imagine that your hand is all the way inside of someone's hole. <laughs> and it's all the way up here to the wrist and say stay kinky. Stay kinky. That's gold and we're using that. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to take my watch off? <laughs>